Good evening, Darklings. You are aboard the Paranormal 60 News Express. Please keep your arms, legs, hands, and head inside the newscast at all times because this, this is going to be a bumpy ride, folks, right here on the Paranormal 60 News. Boy, it's been a wild week, and I am so excited to be here tonight with all of you to share the strange stories. We're going to break down not only the case of the Miami Mall melee where alien presences were witnessed, we are also going to discuss afterlife laws and effects. What and who should have the control over our likeness when we've gone to the extent of trying to become famous, putting ourselves on every social media platform, every photo, every meal, every aspect of our daily life, don't we become kind of like celebrities in a sense that it's now public information. It's out there. Who gets to control what happens after we die? And the resurrection information that they're going to start utilizing. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. I also have a very interesting story regarding a new moonshot that just took off and uh, some strange things that have taken place with that. We'll do that in just a few moments. But first, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you the Paranormal 60 News crew. Chachi has the night off. Joining us in his place, the one, the only, the greatest American hero, the Colonel. Good evening, sir. Good evening, sir. It's good, good to see him. I like that you're showing up more often, Marty. Yeah, well, you know, I, I figured, you know, it's the least I can do. It is the least you can do because, <laughs> you know, we need you here. We need we need that counter. I, I need to I need to be here. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yes, he drinks another shot of beer, ladies and gentlemen. The paranormal detective uh, Greg Lawson, author of the Mothman memoirs. Yeah, that's it. Like that, right? Isn't it? Yeah, that was good enough. Oh, yeah. Close. Yeah. A lot of M's uh, there. Lot Greg of M's. is here. Lots, a lot of it. Uh Greg, Colonel. welcome back to the program. Good, good talk. <laughs> yeah. All right. And here we go. Sweet tea is back oh, now to save the pregnant oh, pauses and lulls. And I'm really getting worried because I gave Greg the grandstand this evening. Tonight he gets to launch into the first story. As an oh. investigator, law enforcement, law, law, I say law enforcement. I don't know why I'm suddenly talking like Mr. Haney from Green Acres, but I wanted him to weigh in on this Miami alien melee and uh, really lean into this heavy because that's all people have sent me all week. Are you covering this? Are you going to be talking about this? Can we expect the Paranormal 60 cracked new, uh, crack news team to tackle this story with the right amount of intelligence? I'm fine. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, good to see you, sweetie. Uh, you got uh, <laughs> the I do. I'm <laughs> what have you I'm got? having for... a uh, Captain oh. Collins right now. Captain Collins? Is Captain that like Collins. a Tom Collins with Captain Morgan rum? Nope. Oh, 
Great. Well, if you'd like to find out more about the drinks that Tressa drinks on the show, Teresa drinks on the show, sip to that. Yeah, let's drink to that. Why not? Remember, she does make videos of herself creating these drinks. And if you follow her on the links that we include on today's program guide, you can go see all the drinks that Tressa drinks. And you, too, can begin pickling your liver now. Ching. What are you drinking, Colonel? I am drinking uh, a Maui Brewing Company's Big Swell IPA. Good stuff, man. I really like this stuff. I hear it's addictive. Very much so. Yes, yes. Which could also be considered (laughs) a form of alcoholism, right? No. That sounds like negative talk to me, Colonel. Yeah, that seems wrong. (laughs) Yeah. All right, oh, purple one, you're up next. What are you drinking? Oh, I got a little uh, bourbon and Coke here. Oh, very nice. A little nose candy and bourbon. I like that. Oh, yeah. Not many people are willing to do that. <laughs> in show like I don't know. I, when, I, when I do something, no, I do no, it right. Let's, uh, let's dive into this first story. This, again, as I said, has been all over the news. Um, although I don't know that it's always necessarily good when every news uh, group out there is covering this tale. But let's take a, a look at the first real Uh, coverage of this, which I thought was fascinating because of the strange claims that were taking place. We're going to go to to the news for this part. Aliens invading Miami are going viral on social media. This is surreal, folks. The conspiracy theory stems from a large police presence at Bayside Marketplace on New Year's Day. Take a good look at your screen. Are those aliens walking in front of Bayside Marketplace in downtown Miami? Online conspiracy theorists are saying that shadowy figure, not far from parked Miami police cars, appears to be an alien. Uh, honestly, I think it looks pretty real to me. Uh, alien looked pretty chill. I'd be friends with an alien. I'd be pretty cool. The viral video was allegedly taken during that massive police presence at Bayside on New Year's Day. Crowds of young people armed with sticks began fighting. Police say juveniles were also setting off fireworks that some believed was gunfire, resulting in chaos. There's a big crowd of people running out of Bayside and kind of um, grouping up outside. And then we hear more commotion and now they're all just running through the streets, running between cars, almost getting hit by cars. It was like absolute chaos. Now, rumors are circulating on social media saying police weren't there to handle a group of rowdy teens, but rather eight to 10 feet tall, shadow aliens but the real question is are they friendly are they after us are they gonna attack us are they do world domination on us who knows man the phrases miami mall and aliens in miami have been among the top 10 searches on twitter's trending tab and google news even has several reports questioning the event miami police saying in part there were no aliens ufos or ets no airports were closed no power outages the statement ended with a facepalm emoji now to read up on the story and a lot of people are interested in the story because it's gone viral check it out for yourself go to our website cbsmiami.com and the police were very emphatic there were no aliens yeah, no aliens, <laughs> but uh, you can file this one definitely on the only in South Florida people, tab. People love it. We want to talk about it. They, Thanks for good conversation. It sure does, yeah. Well, we'll discuss if it makes for good conversation or not. I do love the fact that one of the other big headlines that came out from this is from NBC News, and it says, aliens at Miami Mall, police say, LOL. 
<laughs> yeah, it was part of all their statements. LOL. You, you know that's the cops, Greg. You guys are always LOLing in your police reports, aren't you? Yeah. Well, that's what we're trying to do, man. We're trying to keep up with the uh, the young folks, you know, and and uh, and work more like a TikTok, Instagram uh, delivery kind of thing. You're doing a great job, kids. Keep it up. Uh, that's good work. But it's interesting to me that. Um, they they not only did the news report the story, but then they had to, and then the story was finished with an emoji of a face. <laughs> so that is the world that we live in. However, let's talk about this. Obviously, on the whole, it sounds completely absurd. It makes no sense. Uh, giant aliens running amok in a mall. However, people are watching the videos, Greg. People are seeing what's coming out of there. And I asked you to do a little digging and see what you could find. At what point do people start reporting the alien incursion? Was it during the event itself or was it all after the fact? Now it was uh, further uh, along the, the story. So it was, you know, it, it happened at about eight 30 PM and uh, it didn't get wrapped until, you know, as far as the, the final people kind of getting out of there, Till after 10 o'clock. So there was, there was quite a bit of time there because, um, all those, um, party goers were, you know, moving in different directions. They were trying to get them to leave, but they would just move up and around and then back in and then back around and up into the parking garage and then back around. And, uh, and so it was later on when that uh, started coming out. All right. Now let's, let's discuss that because what you just said to me is really important. So the, the way that the police are couching this is that uh, a melee broke out inside the mall, that there were reports of around 50 teenagers wielding sticks that were, I don't know if they were having a role play sword <laughs> fight, if it was uh dungeons and dragons night in nerd town, I don't know. So I'm asking the questions and before you smite me with your 20 sided die for making a Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> joke, I just want you to that I know that I drank the elixir of life and protective spirits this evening. So yeah, yeah I push nice. away your smiting. Please off nice. limits. Yeah. Um, so if there is possibly an active shooter, uh, possibly a bomb threat, possibly a gangland war that's taking place inside the mall, and that many police are called, why are people just meandering around and kind of going back in and going back out? Because it's not like, it, Greg, it's not like five cops showed up for this thing. Right. Right. So um, people are uh, uh, an odd bunch at this point. People are strange. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was in a, a strangers. Yeah. 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 I was in a situation where I had my, my, uh, firearm, uh, out, uh, and I'm giving directions to a young man that's, uh, laying on the, on the ground in front of me. And my partner was, uh, in the process of handcuffing him. Uh, and there was a group of guys that were walking up behind me. Uh, and I was saying, Hey, could you walk around? Hey fellas, could you walk around? Hey, could, could you walk around? Nope. They just walked right through my scene. And one of them looked at me and said, what up, pimp? <laughs> I'm like, you know what, man? Um, that's a compliment. So. Y y so, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's kind that of what lines, we're dealing with. Question, maybe, uh -huh. just maybe. Okay, Colonel. These teenagers that were supposedly fist fight with each other with Rick 
rocks and sticks and yada yada. Yeah. Maybe they're being beating the hell out of the alien. Did anyone think hey. of that? Ah. That is part of what was being said, but why did they carry sticks in? Did they know that aliens were going to touch down? And I know it sounds like we're being flippant, but these are some of the questions we need to talk about. Now, Greg, I appreciate your story, and I know you're right. People are ignorant idiots, and especially when it comes to law enforcement, it seems they've lost all respect. They don't care if you're holding a gun. They don't. They just do what they want to do, but that's yep. dealing with two cops in a situation when there's three or four of them. Maybe you're not as intimidating, but let's take a look again real quickly at the police presence. So for those of you listening, if you have not seen the footage yet, it's insane. There look to be about 200 police cars descending on this Miami mall of Bayside. And again, one cop, two cops, three cops, maybe people are not as intimidated, but when you have 200 police cars, coming in and you've got three police helicopters flying overhead filming this it again seems like in the current environment people would scramble to get out of that get away from that area mm -hmm. you would think yeah the psychology is just not there for that huh um well and and here's the other thing um back in the 80s when something like this would happen the cops would uh would respond with sticks and they would get in a line and they'd start working through there and if you stood in front of them you got beat uh you better move and you better get out of here uh now all the cops respond in heavy gear and a rifle and most people know nothing's going to happen the cops aren't going to put hands on you because uh, of all of the things that happened during COVID, all the things that happened in, during all the, the protests and riots uh, and cops are told, you know, yeah. And, and listen, it's fire, flood or blood. Don't do anything. Just stand yes. there. Try to try to use your, uh, your police so, presence to intimidate them to leave. So then why send the first wave of the cavalry if they're not really going to have any power to do anything in that sense? Well, and that's where you have to go back and look at the uh, original 911 calls. Uh, and, and this kind of takes a lot of the, um, this takes a lot of the power out of, uh, out of what we're talking about as far as the alien situation, because the 911 call came in shots fired in the mall. Um, okay. w when that happens, every cop that is on duty, every cop that is off-duty, working an off-duty job, every cop that might be listening to the radio will then go en route. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, it as a one thing that people know as leaders, Colonel, you, you're very, you, I'm sure you've experienced this. Any leader knows you're wrong all the time. Except for me, but I mean, well, yeah, I'm I was sorry. the exception, but um, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. If you're a leader, you're going to be wrong all the time because there's going to be a group of people that will say and second guess you and, and do all that. Same thing with law enforcement response. Um, if they sent two officers over there, uh, the neighborhood, you know, watch people would have lost their mind. Why didn't they take this more seriously? Uh, this, this is a, a, you know, 911. There's shots being fired in the mall. 
why didn't everybody show up? And then when everybody shows up, there's other groups saying, why did all the people show up? Why, you know, everybody's so afraid of having another Uvalde, another, uh, another mass shooting that the cops show up and do nothing. Well, that's, that's the one don't show up. That's the one thing though, is that I read that the initial calls were that it was a, um, active shooter and that there was, there was someone shooting right. at the mall, which makes sense for the number of cops that ended up re responding because, Does you know, it? again, well, it's called, I mean, it's called a citywide emergency call. Everybody drops what they're doing. Unless you're doing CPR on somebody or you have somebody under arrest, you stop what you're doing, get in your car and you respond as quickly as you can to that. location. And when you're talking a mall, there's so many, there's so many different, uh, places that the, the, if there was an active shooter that they could be going in and out of, you know, in a mall, how many door doors are there in a right. mall? I understand what both of you are saying and it yeah. makes full sense. Sure. I live like a couple blocks from a mall and there are fights, there are shootings, there's stuff like at least uh, once every other month. There's not a response like that. N nothing close to it. There's like, it, it, the the response to this Miami thing blows my mind. I it I can't wrap my head around it because it looks like every police officer in a tri-state area came to help, yeah. help these people. Well, you got to think about how big how, how big Miami is. I don't know how, how many big million, is Chicago. They were yeah, buying how many probably people. vehicles for this particular call uh, there, Greg. They're like, yeah, we got we bought ten more cars. We let's send ten more uh, police officers <laughs> out there. We we got enough cars now. So, um, according to the records, about right. 60 officers actually checked out at the scene. So that means that, um, so, so, you know, the flow of how something like this happens, a call comes out, everybody goes in round. Uh, the first couple of guys get there and they're doing what's called uh, direct a threat. They're listening for screaming and they're listening for gunshots. And they're going to maneuver themselves as quickly as they can to that location to stop whatever it is happening. Uh, the problem with groups like this, in, and I'm, we've had this many times, you see them uh, taking over intersections and stuff in different cities and they're peeling out with their cars and stuff. It's yeah. that same mentality. It's that same group. Um, and what they will do is they know that the cops aren't doing anything. They have rifles in their hands or pistols in their hands, uh, and they're not going to be hitting people with it. Um, they're going to run around the corner and start screaming, help me, help me. And they're laughing and they're running, help, help, help. And they're all doing that to make the cops respond. So what you'll see with the cops do is they will get to a point and then they just hold their position. They'll get out on the radio and they'll say, I'm at this location. I'm holding my position. Uh, and slowly within the first five to 15 minutes of cops getting there, they will establish an incident command. Someone of a leadership will step in and say, we'll key up on the radio and say, Hey, uh, this is Sergeant, Lieutenant, whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm instant commander. Uh, everybody else that is responding. If you have not gotten out of your vehicles, respond to this location uh, and stage everyone else that's on the ground boots on the ground. I need you to you know, move to, let's say the Ferris wheel in this case, mm. uh, and start figuring out your, your resource allocation on where you're going to send, uh, your people. And you're going to have what's called react teams that are going to go to where the gunfire is. And if there's multiple mm -hmm. gunfire, which in this case, uh, 
it wasn't gunfire. It was fireworks, uh, which sounds can sound very similar to gunfire on, you know, the buildings and all that stuff. Um, and you know, God forbid you're the cop that go, you hear the explosions, you go, Oh, it's just fireworks. And you don't respond. And it wasn't somebody shooting somebody. God forbid you're that cop. You're going to be all over the news on that. So Greg, so let's say you got 60 units responding to this one call. There was a bunch more than that, but 60 actually checked out at the location. Got about. it. So about how long does it usually take for them to figure out, okay, it's a bunch of fireworks and a bunch of you know uh, teenagers fighting each other. It, it looked as if though things had already kind of dissipated by the time they were videotaping this stuff. Right. How long does it normally take for them to determine, okay, we got a- Wait, wait, Colonel. Where did it look like it was dissipating? They were all coming to the site in all of the footage I just showed. Because if you look at if you look at the street that had like the seven hundred police cars on there, <laughs> and not one area did you see a bunch of individuals fist fighting each other. It was all well, no, that was because it was inside the mall. Oh, okay. The claim was coming was from right. inside the mall, right? All right. So. So then, Greg, you've got you've got the call. I understand where we're going with this. And again, folks, your paranormal show. Why are we talking about? Because you keep sending me messages wanting us to cover this. And sometimes we're going to lean into the fact that there might be something interesting in paranormal. And I'm not done with that yet. We're going to still touch on a few interesting aspects of this that okay. I don't know that we're getting straight answers on, and not from Greg. Greg's doing the best he can on the limited information he's got coming in from the news sources. He always does. Um, right. So we've got. What? <laughs> we've we've got this uh, information. Here's the video um, that that is circulating of this. And again, for those of you listening, I apologize. Go check out this episode or Google Miami Mall Alien Outside, and you'll see this image. And it's pretty interesting and compelling. I'm going to show that footage right now. Now, it's pretty clear. Uh, people were saying that this 10-foot-tall, shadowy, alien-looking creature, kind of like this thing behind me, was walking outside. First of all, no police are responding to it. Right. There's no spotlights hitting it. Um, and from some of these angles, actually, you can see what appears to be people walking on three different layers of those stone steps. Kind of, as Marty said before the show, walking in sync, almost like the monkeys at the beginning of the episode, uh, you know, the, their TV series, that little monkey walk. So I, again, that to me is not as, as compelling. And the reason I mentioned that as well, folks, is if you go look where that footage originally came from, not Miami, not the Miami police, it came from Brazil. So if oh. you see the actual footage of them flying over, it's in 4K HD. It's very clear. The footage with the alien is blurred and and moving and you could tell because they keep dipping in and out of the frame of it so i think somebody was purposely trying to emulate hmm. uh, something moving and giving us a, a shadow of a doubt towards the claims of the of the hmm. police department so that to me 
uh, I think answers the video. You've taken a look at it, uh, and trust it. Let, let me start with you. You yeah. just saw the footage again. What do you make? Are you seeing an alien, a shadowy alien? And remember, there's no wrong answers here. Thank you. Are you, are you seeing a shadowy mm -hmm. alien, or are you seeing three people walking on steps? Uh, even when it was blurry, I I never thought it was an actual alien, but I don't think that that discounts anything that anyone was claiming. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be... Uh, nothing was happening around it no one was responding to like an alien walking outside so i didn't think that was actually the case but uh, okay i'm going to i'm going to flip this script a little bit well stay i want to stay on topic with okay, that sorry, part of it and then we'll come back greg looking at it at any point did it look ooh that's interesting maybe there is something to this story well, when it first came out, there's a social media storm of, you know, just a flood of the, uh, you know, retweeting or not, you know, reposting right. and reposting and then people taking videos of the video and then posting that. I don't know how many times that happened. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the, the more you diffuse that, the stranger it looks, gray creatures, gray aliens, uh, shadow beings or whatever, some of the other um a video that was taken by people on the street that were uh for it was a first hand video you can see some of those shadow people uh their their shadows actually ended up the the shadow people were very tall and they ended up merged with other people's feet that were walking along it was amazing <laughs> i don't know how that happened so it was clear when you say shadow people, you're meaning the shadows from people moving. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it was right there on the video, but when you crop it, it looks really cool. Yeah, and that's one of the problems, right? All the all the hoaxing that people will uh, will do. There were there was a lady I won't use her name. Um, she professes herself to be a remote viewer and just went down in detail of all the stuff that she saw to confirm. And, and there are some uh, uh, people that do remote viewing that, that look at things that happened in the past as opposed to current or whatever. Uh, and that's what she was doing, which is very uh, convenient since there's so much information coming out of, of what was going on. Uh, and she got everything right. And I was like, man, I'm, I've worked with uh, several remote viewers and, you know, it's usually a little fuzzy. It's usually not spot on. So that that lady really needs to be hired by the government. She could do great. She's tapping into aliens, man. They have good high frequency. Oh man, she is good. Let me. So let you. me. With that said, I want to, and we're going to start to turn some of this, and I'll come back to you, uh, sweet tea. But I, Greg, being an investigator, being a detective, part of your job has been questioning people, watching them tell their story. I found online what looks to be an actual um, eyewitness account of what was taking place. I don't want to weigh in on my thoughts on this video at all, but I'm curious. I would like you to look at it. And this isn't a joke. I promise you, this is an actual piece of footage from one of the uh, eyewitnesses. I would like you to weigh in on it after the fact and tell me if it seems legitimate to you or what about it stood out to make it seem implausible. And I want people to understand we don't know this man. I'm not putting him under personal attack. We're certainly not trying to um, mock anybody that might have mental conditions, if that's what Greg is to deem he is witnessing or it looks like. So I just want to put all that out. So we're very, you know, th this is not meant to discredit a human being, but to look at the different elements of 
an eyewitness account. And uh, here we go. What happened? We all saw what happened, and it, you know it's pretty serious. I, uh, you know, it's been a few days, but and you know our whole family's processing it. But I think we've kind of like uh, accepted that we were a part of this weird uh, experience and moment. Um, so basically what happened was I was there with my brother Brian, uh, and my sister and my nephew. We were looking for shoes, uh, for my nephew. And then we see a whole crowd of people outside the store, um, just running out in a direction. So, you know, as soon as we saw it, we, uh, we were like, oh, oh shit, you know, what's going on? So we immediately ran out with our nephew and, um, you know, we picked him up and we ran out and we followed the crowd. Uh, and then about like a, a, a few seconds later, as soon as we started running, uh, my nephew, he's autistic. So he was pointing behind us and he was saying blanky, which he'll usually say whenever he feels unsafe or scared. Um, and he was pointing behind us. So me and my brother, we look behind us and then we see these three, nine, 10 foot tall creatures I'm not going to say aliens. Uh, everyone keeps saying it's aliens. I'm not saying aliens because I don't know what it was. Uh, none of us really knew everyone. All of us stopped in our track. We, you know, a whole bunch of people were pointing at it. Uh, I mean, there were other people running. Um, you know, there was a crowd. As soon as it made itself more apparent, um, it looked like it was glitching, not like a computer pixelation, but like a wavy glitch. Um, and whatever maybe was covering them had, you know, unveiled or whatever. Um, yeah, it looked like a glitch, man. Uh, it, like a, a weird glitch in the matrix or whatever. And, um, and then you could see it in its full form, all three of them. And then, uh, it, you know, they were all black. You saw eyes uh, and you could faintly see like like lips but um yeah i was about like tw 20 feet away um because obviously everybody gave it distance right and um you know they're tall um so we all just like looked at them they were just standing there and the thing that was a little bit weird well it was clearly like observing us it was sentient right like or whatever i mean i don't know but uh it was aware of us it looked at us the whole crowd and then as soon as it started walking with its big legs like kind of like it started like almost glitching again um we all ran um my brother like immediately said yo let's go he grabbed me by the shoulder we, we bolted out of there and for anyone that's like saying you know where's the footage where's the footage yeah i know i i don't have any footage and i'll explain why because like when i when I saw it, I was in complete fear. It's, it was something that I, I completely froze, man. I don't care if I sound like a bitch about it. Like, I froze. And I don't care who you are. I feel like when you're seeing something paranormal, it's different than when you're seeing a fight. Yeah, you'll probably want to record that and put on Worldstar or whatever. When you see something paranormal, that's different. Because your reality, you can't comprehend what you're seeing. A fight, you kind of get it. Two people are fighting. You you can comprehend that. Something like this, none of us could comprehend. Your first instinct is like, it ain't to like take out your phone and start recording. Your first instinct is like, I've never seen this before. What is this? Is it going to hurt me or my family?
All right. Uh, interesting. I would like your initial take on it, Greg, by watching this gentleman tell his story. What were your thoughts? All right. So um, when you're watching a video like that, it's, it's a little bit hard to tell whether somebody is is being truthful. There's, there's uh, cues that you look for. And uh, now I can tell when Bill Clinton is is lying on video, but uh, as far as allegedly lying on allegedly video. lying, um, and uh, so so this man is um, there is a theory that uh, when you look to the right, uh, that you're tending to create uh, your story, uh, and um, he was looking to the right about what forty percent of that video, he had a real distraction whether that be a physical distraction over here that he was looking at notes on what he wanted to talk about or whether he was actually searching for his story as he was doing that could have been somebody over there could have been uh, an extra screen and he was watching himself as he was doing the video, but there was some major distraction, whether it was a physical distraction or whether it was a mental distraction that he was uh, creating recall. As he was doing, so, you know. Okay, so let's let's take his his uh, account. Yeah. So if if that was in fact happening, you had you know a number of eight to ten foot beans that were in the middle of the mall somewhere. Wouldn't you see like people like just hightailing it out of that mall, out of any door they can find? That, out that's of what he said at the beginning of the interview, Marty. He said people started running like crazy. And when they came out to look, that's when they saw these things. Uh, they were running out of the store in the mall, not out of the mall itself. Like No, I think like, he was watching people running out of the mall from inside yeah. the store he was in. Okay. Yeah, so, that's why he he was drawn out there to take a look. But I agree with you. Uh, but but we all react differently to certain situations. But continue your thought process. Let's let's see where this goes. So so I didn't see an, I didn't see gobs and hundreds of people running out of the mall when they had this video over over showing over the mall. You see like all these, you know, the 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 number of Thank you. Nope, that wasn't <laughs> me. There we go. That's the wise connection. Uh by the way, so you're telling me that there's not one not one police officer that had his body cam on. Sure. Right. Okay. Hold on. Let's, let's go back to the, where did they all go? First of all, they might've been running towards, um, we don't know from that footage because we're not from that area. We don't know if that's the back of the mall, the service area. We don't know if there's a parking ramp and people were running to their cars to get out of there. Uh, and then it was surrounded by cops. So they might not have been able to even get out because I don't know if the cops are cordoning off the area in case there is an active shooter. They don't, you know, it's kind of a lockdown situation. So Greg, would that explain why you don't see torrents of people pouring out of this mall? Uh, I mean, that could be one. The, the main thing is, though, is this event uh, happened over about an hour and a half period, and we saw six seconds of video. Right. So now the uh, right. And that's that's another good point. Um, what I thought was fascinating about this gentleman telling the story was that there was kind of an earnestness to it and him even saying, I'm not going to say these are aliens, but there was definitely something off about these. I thought that was an interesting tact and yeah. you have to excuse us folks. Marty's in Hawaii and he is in a, uh, using his phone for this. So he keeps cutting in and out. I'm not dumping him. Like I normally do jokingly. He's just losing connection. Um, 
but he seemed very earnest about it. He seemed to be deliberate in his explanation of why he didn't take the video, which I thought was interesting. Uh, it gives a really good element. I had that same experience when I was at Trout Lake, Washington, and I saw that living craft in the sky. I had a camera phone. Of course, it was a flip phone, which would have taken a two megapixel video and would have just looked like a blurry blue light that would have been useless. But in all honesty, I did not want to take my eyes off of it to even fumble for my phone. I, I was trying to process what I was seeing and I did something I didn't expect to do. And Marty, you might find this interesting again, not being an outdoorsman, being in an unfamiliar environment at night where I am watching something glowing and swimming through the sky, I began to run towards it. So the normal, I, I would have thought, Oh, <laughs> if I'd, I'd have just dug a hole quick and climbed in <laughs> yeah, uh, because that's it. But I felt compelled to, and what am I saying? I, my brain was trying to process it. So I was doing things. And in the moment I was conscious of why are you running towards this thing? And I grabbed this girl that was there looking for, for UFO and craft as well. And I'm like, look, look, look. And I'm trying to, and she's like, let go of me. She did not want to go towards this thing. Mm. I was going at it at breakneck speed. I was, you know, 16 years younger, slimmer and faster. So, you know, by breakneck speed, I mean, I was ambling fully through the wilderness, but I, I thought it was interesting that he, he has that moment. You're not thinking I need to videotape this. You're, you're, you're trying to breathe it in. Like what exactly am I witnessing right now? And if you're witnessing eight to 10 foot, 12 foot tall beings, and don't send me emails Oh, I would have, you know, I would have been the first to videotape everything. And nope. you're in a situation where your paradigm has been shattered. You cannot tell me what you would do. You just, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. There are cops that have seen tragedy unfold before their eyes that are left speechless and unable to move. There are, are, um, um, uh, I'm sorry, armed service people that do the same thing because they will see the tragedy of war in a way they weren't prepared for. And your initial reaction would be, well, you, you cowboy up and you bring out the gun and you start taking out the bad guys. And sometimes the concept is just my brain can't process the system that I'm watching right now. Is aside that, is that from a, fear, it's, I'm sorry, you're not asking me, but aside from fear, just the utter, like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. I'm trying to figure it out. My brain can't process what's happening right. is why so many people don't do anything with their camera. That's why I find it more believable when they don't have footage, because there's so much going on in their head. They're not thinking about cameras. But it also shows the frailty and fallibility of eyewitness accounts, right, yeah. Greg? Because if you're witnessing a shooting, you're seeing something you might not have ever seen or witnessed before. Your brain's trying to reconstruct this thing in your in your head. You remember, uh, I think he was dark-skinned. I, I think he had gray hair. I, I it is it can stymie the brain. Am I, am I correct on that assumption? Is that why eyewitness accounts have become so unreliable when it comes to testimony? Sure. And, and when you watch the man that, that just did his, his testimony, um, if I was watching him as him being a victim, mm -hmm. uh, I would assess him one way. If he was my suspect, I would assess him in a, in, in a different way. Uh, and that's one of those things, you know, people say, well, 
what if somebody's lying? You know, how, how can you tell? They look up to the right, they look up to the left, down to the left, don't make eye contact, do make eye contact, whatever it is. It's all of the above. It's applied to the person and to their situation, not just, you know, oh, well, he didn't make eye contact with me, so he's lying. No, that's not how this works. It's much more com complex than that. Genesee asks a, a very pertinent question, Sin sincere law enforcement question. If a person is neurodivergent and not maintaining eye contact when telling a story, would law enforcement still look for signs of recall or lying? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, a, a decent investigator will. Uh, and, and but because huh? is it different because they process and communicate differently? Absolutely. People. And, and, okay. and those standard signs of uh, deception would not equate in that, in that situation. But how do you know that they're neuro neurodivergent or not, if they don't share that with you? You wouldn't know unless uh, they told us. So, okay. right. Yeah. Right. And that, that's an interesting element of this. So, uh, I don't, we're going to spend some more time on this, but I, I wanted to mention there were other claims. Um, there were claims that flights were grounded. Uh, there were claims that there were 30 to 60,000 households without power during this, um, issue. And, uh, do you know any facts on any of that, Greg? No, I couldn't find anything that were was factual out, out of any of those claims. Okay. So the police are coming out saying, no, no planes were grounded. There was no issues. Uh, they're saying there was no power outages. There was no anything taking place. So I find that kind of fascinating. Um, however, with that said, I did uncover this. This article um, says flight delays reported sure. nationwide after issues at Miami air control, uh, air traffic control center, Tampa mm -hmm. international airport tweeted almost all flights in and out of TPA are unaffected, but Miami was affected. The article, uh, goes on to say, and this is from the New York daily times flight delays were reported. And this is on January 2nd, the day of this incident flight delays were reported across the USA on Monday after issues at an air traffic control center in Miami. In response to customer complaints and social media posts bemoaning the delays, the Tampa International Airport attempted to clear the air. Florida airspace is not closed. Miami air traffic control is having a few issues at the moment, but almost all flights in and out of TPA are unaffected. Please contact the FAA for further info. We're wishing you safe travels. The Federal Aviation Administration followed up by issuing a ground stop for all aircraft trying to enter or fly out of Florida. So for the police and law enforcement to say no flights were affected that day or night, mm -hmm. that nothing took place, but yet we have New York Times reports or New York Post reports saying that there was that issue. People may have, and this isn't telling me what time of day the article came out, that could have come out that morning or mid-afternoon, not during the time of the incursion, uh, or the, the, the issue with the mall. Um, so it, it's very easy that people could start to overlay things, but I do find it interesting that they just summarily dismiss this. Nothing of this sort happened when in fact, we know it happened. We know that there were closures and that all flights were grounded. And even yeah. if it was a different time, who's to say that that wasn't affected by something that happened later on or earlier. Right. Now, that's an interesting element of this as well. Now, Greg, as somebody who's a detective, 
when the police are coming out and saying emphatically, this did not happen, and we have proof that it happened, and FAA uh, can say it happened, the flight towers say it happened, and there were well, did it, did it happen stranded. at 6 p.m. or did it happen at 10 p.m.? Right. That's, that's what we, that's what we're saying is there's no time on that. So right. there is that that's, element of, could they have been superimposing this logistic onto the story? But as and that's what I couldn't find is any right. correlation at the times that this was happening, that they had. And why would law enforcement not say we had issues at the airport earlier this afternoon that have no impact or association with what took place this evening? During this entire time, there were no shutdowns. The flights were not Im- impacted or affected. That would seem like something that would come out and clear the air pretty quickly. Did, did they indicate why the the flights were affected? I mean, was it was had something to do with what the alien parked his spaceship at the airport? No, if you if you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's what they said. That delay in Hawaii is brutal because I read it in the article, uh, Colonel. Come on, they said <laughs> that they were they were having pr- technology problems which is also an interesting element, right? Because mm-hmm. around uh, flight towers and other places, and Greg, you know this researching for your UFO books, there have been a lot of claims that uh, this type of activity can impact and affect uh, radar, can affect ground instruments, can affect quite a few things, which is what happened in O'Hara Airport back in 2006 or seven yep. when they closed down the airport with something hovering over it. Uh, the, it was China or Japan, I apologize, a few years after that, that shut down their airport not once but three times in a week because there was something hovering over it and messing up the instrumentation. Um, so these are true cases that are, again, out there. The, the, the funny thing about the O'Hara story is that it was pushed off as a strange cloud cover. Well, if there was one strange cloud, you can fly around one strange cloud. Well, pilots uh, have never dealt with clouds before. So no, I know. It's very weird. Um, not a really mm-hmm. common thing. Mm-hmm. So, no. you know, that's it, it's funny that, that you say that. So um, what often happens with uh, public information officers, and, and it happened in the Roswell situation, is um, they investigate it, find out there was nothing to it, and they don't write a report, and they go, yeah, it's a, it's a non-event. Why am I writing a report for a non-event? Nothing happened. Well, what about this? Nothing happened. That didn't happen. But it would have been easy enough to make a call to the, to the Miami airlines or Miami airport and say, have there been any closures? Yes. We had closures all day due to some technical. Well, we can tell you this, there were technical issues at the airport. It closed it down. And, uh, but that had no impact or effect during the time of this issue. Exactly. That's what should have been done. Uh, yet, I mean, and that's the problem when people people don't take uh, some what some people would consider a ridiculous claim seriously. Right. Like, okay, you say aliens are there. Well, let's make sure that they weren't yeah. or they were. Let's let's do a little bit of investigation. We're going to find out more in the next uh, and in the next uh, probably three or four weeks with some body camera footage. We'll find out a lot about this. And this yeah, is a, that? huh. Well, that, that takes a while. That? You don't just get that immediately. Right. I understand that. So yeah, and, and that's no, what a lot of people it, get developed the drugstore, and you know it takes. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a lot of people don't understand is uh, when you look at body camera footage. Listen to this. Let's say there's 60 officers, and they have an hour and a half a piece of body cam footage. Every second of that body cam footage has to be reviewed and redacted for any signs of businesses, 
license plates on vehicles, juveniles walking by, anybody not involved in this, it all has to be redacted. So they're going to fuzz out everything. Okay. Now, what is that going to cause? Well, they fuzzed out and they're hiding the aliens. You know what I mean? That's, but th that's where the federal laws of things really screw up stuff for law enforcement because uh, as soon as I conclude my talk with you, I'm going to say, and, and what's your race? You know, right. a, a quarter of the people that I ask that lose their minds and scream at me and tell me I'm a racist and everything else. What does that have to do with anything? Uh, it has to do with civil liberties union requiring it and making the federal government make us track it. It's them doing it, not me. I'm I, it's a federal law. I have to do that. Otherwise, you know, I can be charged with a crime by not keeping these stats. So All right. by, let's, by let's get off that aspect of it. Cause I don't want people then starting to talk into the racist aspects of this. And that's not what we're here discussing. Aliens. Although, although, yeah, I was afraid by typing in aliens Gray. in Miami, I was going to get many yeah. articles that I did not want to see. Um, thankfully that didn't happen because this story is all anybody's talking about. Correct. Let's do a quick round Robin. We have to go to a quick commercial break. We've got more to discuss. Uh, Greg aliens or not. What do you think took place? Um, in Miami? I'm, I'm on the fence on this one. I can't imagine there being aliens and not uh, 50 of those kids over there uh, videoing them with their cameras. Okay. Colonel, Colonel, where do you sit? I'm saying not. Yeah. No. I, I'm thinking okay. there's just, yeah. All right. Sweet tea. I'm saying, I don't know, but I'm leaning aliens. <laughs> I will tell you this again, like, like that gentleman said in his, uh, his conversation, I don't want to say aliens, but I think that something maybe more interesting happened yes. than we know about that is not just teen teenagers running amok. Yes. Maybe there was something going on. I have been hearing from, uh, different friends around the United States that are involved in different levels of government that, um, Things have been a little hairy lately again in the United States because of all of the stressors we have around the world. Uh, it, was there something more of a terroristic threat that was taking place that they're downplaying right now until they can get a handle on it? I'm not saying that that's not a part of this as well, but I think it's interesting. Are we throwing the alien in there to keep us distracted from something else? Or did people see interdimensional bleed through? Were these creatures somehow visible for a short period of time? I don't know. We'd love to hear from you guys. If you're watching this video, why don't you tell me in the uh, the comments below what you think? And I'm going to check the uh, the comment section here while we go to a quick commercial break and let me know what your thoughts are. We'll be back with more of the Paranormal 60 News right after this. In winter's grasp, a chilling tale unfolds. Wanted Magazine's issue 40, Secrets to be Told. Al Capone's ghost, in shadows it creeps. A spectral mobster, where darkness seeps. Fourteen signs of a poltergeist's might. Haunting whispers in the silent night. Pascagoula UFO, fifty years gone by. A cosmic encounter, reaching the sky. The ghost train of Tate Bridge. Echoes in the mist. A phantom journey where souls exist. Wanted Magazine issue 40 is out now. Available from selected outlets and bit.ly forward slash haunted magazine. 
Don't be normal. Be paranormal. All right, we are back. Thank you very much for being here with us on the Paranormal 60. Reading the comments, there are some other interesting uh, elements people are bringing up. You don't need the body cam footage. Every store has video cameras now. Mm, Every mm -hmm, store mm -hmm. has security cameras. The mm -hmm. mall has eyes in the sky because slip and falls. They've got to keep an eye on all that. When do you think we will start to see some of that footage? Wait, I have a question. Well, hold on. Let me get that question answered from Greg first. When have you ever watched security camera footage from a, t from a store? Uh, they don't spend a lot of money on that. And the, the it is grainy, horrible. Not in the store, but the malls do. Because I yeah. used to sell the digital media to malls and to casinos so that they did have a clean eye in the sky. Because people slip, people fall, people are trying to take advantage all the time at places like malls. So that footage is better than what you might get over at the TJ Maxx. So if these things were running amok in the center of the mall, when do you think we'll actually get the chance to see that video footage of either there's something there or not something there, Greg? So whenever the, uh, the, the, uh, people that own the mall decide to release it, otherwise, uh, it's going to take a subpoena or a search warrant to go ahead and get that, uh, footage. And they're going to need a criminal case in order to get a subpoena uh, or a search warrant. So if, if, the, if there's no criminal case there, which there is, uh, there's the, uh, what, what could be considered arson as far as firing off those, uh, uh, that fire, those fireworks in a public place like that, uh, or the assaults, they might go ahead and, and uh, subpoena or get search warrants for those, those records, but um, it'll take a little bit. All right. Or do you think we're going to see them on TMZ? sooner <laughs> probably yeah if, there's if, gonna be I, money involved right i'm guessing that the mall is very concerned about liability so they're not going to release any of it uh unless it's compelled um so okay all right uh sweet tea you had a quick question hmm. thank hmm. you uh is there footage of this uh teenage fight that yes. is yeah, but actually, we can like they, prove for sure that it is at that time and place, or oh, does it just I, I look know. like? Yeah. yeah so why why couldn't people take footage of this fight? What's that? Well, that's the other interesting point that the guy said. You mm -hmm. pull out a camera, you videotape a fight because you're used to seeing idiots beat up on each other sure. or doing stupid things, and there's got to be footage from one of these morons shooting bottle rockets <laughs> at the crowd. Because they're proud of it. They're idiots. They're mm -hmm. they're proud of the shenanigans. Mm -hmm. So you're right. That footage should be out there just from the idiot perpetrators. Yeah. Right. Where's that? I don't know. It takes a while for, uh, believe it or not, it takes a while for law enforcement to get that stuff. Oh, I'm not talking about law enforcement. I'm talking no, about I'm, idiots that are just yeah, like at the uploaded. Mall. You would think by now it would be out there. She's and they'd be you, proud of it. She's not putting you under fire. No, I am. This is a <laughs> wow. Greg has nothing to do with this. Sweet tea, don't make me put you in a timeout. Uh, let's, let's, uh, the, interesting. We're going to keep talking about this case as more develops. And as we hear more about it, we'll do that. I want to make sure that we move on. We've got a couple other important things to cover here tonight what? as well. But before we do that, let's clear our palettes. Dan Aykroyd in the news again this week. Um, I've had a chance to interview Mr. Aykroyd twice about his, uh, his, work in the paranormal field on his first DVD that came out in the early 2000s called Dan Aykroyd Unplugged on UFOs. He does admit that he has seen craft from time to time. And in a recent interview, he went on record to talk about it more. Hey, the house <clears throat> is going to receive a classified UFO briefing. You said you've seen four of them. Tell us more about it. 
Well, the most spectacular one that I saw was about 50 feet uh, uh, away from me uh, and on the 23rd floor of a hotel in Montreal. There were no lights at all. It was just a big gray object that looked like a the Macy's Day Parade balloon. And because there was no balloon uh, there in Montreal in February when I saw it. And, and my friend and I were sitting there and she looked up and said, what's that? We looked out the window and there was this big gray object, 100 feet long, 50 feet high with it looks like a bunch it looked like a bunch of grapes underneath it you know and it just sat there and we got a good look at it for about um maybe a minute and a half and then it kind of turned slowly no sound and it just drifted off we ran out into the hall and saw it drift over the saint lawrence river now that thing was not a helicopter was not a meteoric bolide was not any kind of aircraft uh it was right there present right in front of us whether it was occupied or not who's uh, operating it i don't know i can't say that but i know what i saw and i know sure. i had a witness with me and i know that that was a a very vivid vivid sighting of uh, something that uh well here here's has, what you know here's what's even better some, there, some there, kind of command hey the house Good. I do love, uh, and the reason I wanted to play that is I love that because that's how I felt having my first interview with Aykroyd. Uh, when we talked about his documentary, I got three questions out in an hour. Uh, <laughs> he does not want to be interrupted when he's on. on th now, here's a man that is neurodivergent and has Asperger's, and uh, he is very hyper-focused when he gets into telling these stories. And you could see that in his face as well as he was uh, relating that information. Um, let's Let's take a jump to the left here. And uh, I'm gonna, I've got a case I'm going to talk about at the end of the episode because it's a shorter story that I find compelling that also has to do with space and uh, the moon. But first, I sent our uh, Randy correspondent, Sweet Tea, into the world Randy. of, I don't know, I'm just trying to make Randy it sound. Randy correspondent? Yeah. Randy <laughs> might not have been the best choice no, I meant for you. Wiley, Wiley correspondent, you uh, Sweet Tea, into <laughs> the field to investigate an interesting case and story uh, mm -hmm. that was breaking, talking about our image and who we are, what happens mm -hmm. after death. Mm -hmm. Sweet Tea, what have you got for us? Well, a company about 2017 uh, developed uh, technology to make loved ones, people, whoever, live forever, basically. They take your uh, your public image, everything you post on the internet, they collect it, and then they take AI and they make you uh, live forever, basically. And a, a professor, Dr. Masaki Iwasaki, uh, wow. did a study about, thank you, did a study about it. And he's like, what do you guys think about this? He just wanted to know the ethics of what people thought about it. And uh, overall, people are like, if the deceased gives the consent to have themselves live forever in this fake reality, uh, it's all right. Like 50% were like, yeah, that's fine. But 3% of the people uh, in this study were like, if there's no consent, it's fine. We we just want the wow. people back. Yeah, I think that's weird. It's it's a very very small number, but three percent of people are like, screw consent. So, yeah. I'm sorry, I got a cold. So he's just trying to figure out a way to make this ethical in death. If he wants people to be able to opt in or out of AI regeneration once you're dead. And there are so many implications to this, like holograms. I, there's so many celebrities that have gone on tour after death as holograms, which is icky to me, but, and it's not going to be a real experience. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be like watching, I don't know, 
cars. I don't know, animated movie. Uh, <laughs> I like watching cars. Uh, so it's uh -huh. a fascinating aspect, right? We put ourselves out there. Um, mm -hmm. We want everybody to see every meal we've had, our feet at the uh -huh. beach, what kind of drink we're drinking. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we share every element of our days now, and it is out there in perpetuity. And, um, you know, the, you can make legacy accounts on things like Facebook and Twitter so that if I were to pass away, uh, somebody has permission to lock down my account or continue and keep it going. So that to me uh, is an interesting element of this. Um, but then we look at the fact of, okay, what, what about uh, having all that data and information out there now up front? And we, we did a talk on this about a year ago. I had a guest on um, who, who was developing this technology so that you could actually even have phone calls with that person because they would download the voices and conversations and they wanted you to have them in life. So like, I really want to, you know, have these moments again with the Colonel and, and Greg and, and sweet tea and Chachi. So I would give all this audio. Well, then he would listen to the way we talk to one another. He would listen to the way that we interact with one another and the AI would learn. So we would probably get much snarkier responses than, you know, having a one-on-one -on -one conversation because of the show, but it was pretty compelling. And um, I know Winnie was working along with the company to try to understand something and they were letting her do it. And she would get messages from me. Uh, text messages from me and she could text back and it would respond as me. Um, and, and part of it sounds icky, right? Mm -hmm. um, part, part of it sounds weird, but then I sit here on the other side of eight years since my mom passed away and what I would give to be able to pick up the phone on those days when it's yet. And I pick up that phone and I, mom, I just need to hear you there. I, I, Oh, honey, everything's going to be, you know, hearing that voice. Now it's not my mom, but it is, it's information that they got about my mother from the videos, the audios, the text messages between us. It's essentially reconstructing her in a digital format. I'm conscious of the fact I'm not talking to a living being, but you're also talking to a guy who sits in dark rooms with an audio recorder, trying to talk to voices. Um, so to me, it's not as foreign or alien a concept. I, I'm compelled by it and I would not be against them resurrecting Dave Schrader because of my massive ego, mostly <laughs> so that the rest of the world could continue. If I drop that tomorrow, paranormal 60 could go on forever. And some nights it feels like it does, Yeah, uh, but it gives it that opportunity for people to connect and have, you know, my grandchildren, my great grandchildren, now, granted, they could go watch me on YouTube, but wouldn't it be cool to be able to take and pick great grandpa's brain about the experiences he had and the stories he shared and have a one-on-one -on -one dialogue like a, a force ghost from Star Wars? I'm, I'm down with it. I think it's kind of compelling and interesting, and I kind of feel like I've given that part of myself already to the internet. Sure. But I, The problem I have with it is, like, I, I, I keep voicemail voicemails of people that I love because just in case something happens, I, right. I don't want to lose that. Uh, the problem I have is that they're taking or the idea that they were presenting is they're taking social media posts and making that the personality of that person. And I think we all know social media is a lie. Nobody oh. is like, shh, nobody is actually who they are posting. I'm not. 
don't, don't, don't tell anybody, but I'm not the social media person that I'm posting. And wow. if a loved one were to be like, I want that person to visit me after they die, they're going to be like, that's not who that is. That's yeah, insane. That, that's it's you know, when we have those, uh, those board meetings and, and Dave's always trying to work uh-huh. on our, our personas. Yeah. And yeah. Have a right. having us mm-hmm. uh, don't act like yourself is what yeah. right. ends yeah. with. You know? I mean, like, be better, paranormal detective. Be more crime. entertaining. Yeah, it would be, see, for me, it would be better because then I could just direct you to do what I want and not have to worry yeah. about you going off script. <laughs> right. right. You right. know. For mm. you. Uh, when I was in the Navy, I uh, once saw what I thought was an open face sandwich. Turned out it was a jellyfish. Dave, I can keep Greg uh, AI Greg on the track. And maybe even adjust the coloring so that his face is human color again. Hey, hey, Greg AI is obviously going to be, you know, leaps yeah, and bounds better Greg than real AI. AI real natural Greg. looking color. No, that's not true. Um, where do you stand on it, Colonel? What do you think of of AI? Now, in, in Tressa, they're mm-hmm. going off of what they were doing eight, nine, ten years ago. Right. When right. they were just taking what was available. Now there's so much more with our voices and our podcast and our personalities coming forth, they, they have a lot more data to feed the system. Yes. You know, and, I mean, and yeah, it's no. I, I, AI is so interesting to me in the fact that, mm-hmm. and I, I sent it to you one night, I was on chat GPT testing some of these things that everybody mm-hmm. says it can do. I didn't, I wasn't even logged in as me. And all I did was say, write me a story about Dr. Who and Dave Schrader yeah. Uh, from the Holzer files, having a journey and it spit out a story and had my personality down pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, I was heroic, handsome. <laughs> I mean, it's like they were looking at me through the screen, mm-hmm. just creating this image. Yeah. 100%. So, but that to me is pretty cool. And let me just tell people this. Mm-hmm. Don't stop worrying about AI taking over the world. I can tell you it's not. And let me make you all feel better about this right now. AI is getting dumber. What do I know? Because with every new update of my phone, when I send Sweet Tea and the Colonel and and Greg a message and I go, hey, we're going to be live at nine, but remember to check in five minutes later or earlier, it changes but to bit and changes <laughs> it to ot and it changes words to non-existent Nonsense. words. Yeah. Nonsense. Weird. And then I hit send and they're like, what are you saying? And then I have to read, read what I've tried yeah. to write properly. Yeah, Dave, until mm-hmm. what you type in call, it turns into kill. And then, you oh, know, it takes oh. that over and say, okay, No, that was kill Greg. I was very yeah. clear. Kill Greg. Yeah. Kill Greg. Yeah. It's an open face sandwich. And I thought it was, it was pretty funny. obvious. Jesus. Hey, Dave. Yes. <laughs> Man, I got I to gotta say, you know, all right. So why did these people, I got to go back to the story because I'm, I'm, I'm fixated on the story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why did everybody immediately go to aliens? Why didn't they go to the Nephilim or, or, you they know, did in the original story. They were saying it was Nephilim. Well, there you go. For, for people that are maybe just tuning in now and have no clue what Greg's talking about, that's the story we covered in the first 50 oh. minutes of the show. Yeah. Now that it stresses time to shine, yeah. he wants Thanks, to. Greg. Oh, I'm sorry. To my story. Yeah. Hang on. Let me, let me change. No, you just cut us out of it. We were like in the middle of it. And you're just like, hey, Greg, let's focus. Well, you know, in the middle of it, I, we were 50 know. minutes into the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> Your time to shine is over, son. Uh, talking about this AI thing, Greg, hmm. would you be fine with AI existing if somebody 20 years from now wanted to resurrect you after your passing? Uh, would you be okay with that? Or do you have t- do you take issue or feel that that is uh, uh, 
a criminal act. No, I don't think it's a criminal act. And I, I, I don't, I don't feel one way or another about it. I don't have any children. So, I mean, it's, there's not going to be anybody that's that interested in me. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, <laughs> oh, when, yeah. when you think about it, I mean, um, but, uh, I think what makes you, me, whatever, I think what makes us really important is the fact that we are finite. We end and it's over and done. And yeah, that's if, great. If you last forever, who gives a crap? You know I mean? They, they're going to get tired of my, you know, story. <laughs> only have I only have like 10 good stories and finally they're going to be like Jesus then or no I, for the AI guys to develop your, yeah he could tap them. into the whole world and just start making it was the best of days it was the worst of days here's and my it. biggest problem with all of this oh yes. your biggest problem yes in the future when mm -hmm. we maybe have the technology to make anatomically correct robots how's hey. that going to work out no thank you wow wow that's all are, I'm saying. Are you saying that you're afraid that Greg's going to order an Amazon? Yes, I am. Currently, And yes. then download all mm -hmm. of your internet bashings yes. against him. And he's going to be somewhat turned on by the, <laughs> you know, Greg. You know, this is a little inappropriate. I think, uh, you know, uh, that I need to talk to HR about all of this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I've been saying that for weeks. But I have bad <laughs> news. Bad news for you. Chachi's our HR. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we're in trouble. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, though, is that I'm not sure why Sweet Tea has such issues with it, because quite frankly, off the air, she tells us to shut up and she drinks just as much. So yeah. it's, it's not like it's a change. You know? That's and, true. That's true. Yeah. No, but so. she, the problem she has is that an anatomically correct <laughs> robot version of herself and her personality might someday end up in Greg's closet. Oh, <laughs> Get a ball gag in. That's all I'm saying. All oh right. my God. You know, I think you need to talk to Lynn about that a little we bit. Hey, right right there. Clear, that, no. clear that up. That's with why me. I said it was going to be in the closet. I'm not the one being weird. It's you and your future <laughs> self, maybe your AI self. I don't that know. It didn't help so at all. Into this. Well, this was an interesting uh, story that came out again this week. Um, and there, there's a few cool layers of this. We'll, we'll wrap up quickly before we say goodnight. On January 8th, 2024, a rocket was launched as a part of Astrobiotics Peregrine Mission 1, carrying 62 titanium capsules that were filled with human DNA and cremated remains to be deposited on the moon. There was another 268 capsules that were sent into deep space to orbit the sun forever. The payload included hair samples of former presidents George Washington, John Kennedy, and Dwight David Eisenhower, contributed by an anonymous donor. Star Trek cast members, James Scotty Doohan, DeForest Bones Kelly, Nichelle Uhura Nichols, and Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry, we were also sent up their DNA samples and, and parts of their, um, their ashes. Uh, also, sci-fi author Arthur C. Clarke was sent up there. Now, this is where it gets kind of interesting. They're going to shoot off. You think, that's awesome. Arthur C. Clarke, the Star Trek characters going up into space, the final frontier. We're sending the first president of the United States, an element of his DNA to space. Our president, very first president, which is still up for debate because there was actually three or four presidents before we acknowledged Washington as the first, but I digress. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to me that there is that element of wow and wonder and how cool it is. Then the other part of me is, why are we just sending more crap to go drop on the moon? It's like, yeah. And then if we ever do colonize the moon, will we build 
like a town square around that memorial that's holding DNA samples of all of these famous people and how long till somebody breaks into it and recreates a weird amalgam of Scotty and bones all in one person. I don't know. George Washington's hair. Right. Now here's, here's the element that I thought sounded interesting. Indigenous groups, indigenous groups, including the Navajo nation and the Maori leaders have expressed strong objections to that mission. The concerns primarily focused on the use of the moon for human burials because the moon holds a revered place in their traditions. Leaders of the United States' largest tribe of Native Americans sent a letter on December 21st to NASA and the U.S. Department of Transportation objecting to plans for human remains to be carried aboard the rocket in order to be laid to rest on the lunar surface. Boo Nigren, president of the Navajo Nation, requested the launch window to be delayed until tribe leaders can meet with NASA and other government leaders to discuss their concerns. So that, to me, is an interesting element. In response, the White House convened a last-minute meeting last Friday with the Navajo Nation to discuss their concerns, even if it may be too late to stop or alter the mission, which it's never too late. The sacredness of the moon is deeply embedded in the spirituality and heritage of many indigenous cultures, including our own, Nigrin said in the statement. The placement of human remains on the moon is a profound desecration of the celestial body revered by our people. Interesting. Now it's kind of a religious element of desecration, but since nobody owns the moon, right? What at what point do we draw lines in the sand of, well, this is acceptable, this property is a national park or forest, this is this, we have to maintain burial mounds, but we, we have to preserve the moon without human remains. I, and it, to me, this was just a fascinating new wrinkle. And I, I, again, wanted to hear what you guys had to say on this. Colonel, let's start with you. Uh, are you for it or again it and why? Well, you know, um, at first when you started talking about that, I'm like, well, you know, just another situation where we're just dumping, you know, things that we feel are important to us on the moon. Mm-hmm. But then as you continued on with the story and it actually has a meaning to to those individuals who 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 look to the moon mm-hmm. and it even has more i think even more reason as to why we probably should hold off on doing that all right uh sweet tea what are your thoughts i want all of the best things for all of the star trek people however we don't need to like make the moon our trash pit uh, regardless if it's human remains or anything else, just stop putting stuff there. It's fine. I'd, I Just let the first peoples have their thing. It, we've already crapped all over them forever. Just it, the moon is fine. It doesn't need more stuff on it. That's all I'm saying. Agreed. All right. Uh, Gregory, what are your thoughts? I'm not sure when um, um, indigenous people recognized the moon as a planet. Um, you know, that would be interesting to look at as far as they're, they're calling it a celestial body now, but when these, uh, beliefs were very, very strong in their cultures, was it a spirit? Was it something else that they looked to, uh, that was a, you know, something that was created in their imagination of it being a spirit or, you know, man in the moon or whatever. Um, 
So I, I, I'm, I'm with. Well, let's the, say it happened five years ago or five thousand. What does it matter if they consider yeah. it a religious uh, place and a and a holy place? Why should it matter when they first took notice of it? All right. Um, and again, you're not under attack. I'm just asking. Right. No, no. I, I think it's a belief system. If we start um, going down that line for everybody because we don't want to offend anybody, we're not going to do anything. Um. I, I, I agree that we should. However, we do know that, that celestial bodies and stars and things like that do hold special reverence to everybody. everybody. Every culture across the world uh, has feelings about that. So right. the idea of us depositing things, maybe that should have been more of a cross-cultural decision. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with it. Yeah. Um, I, I would just really like to know, um, you know, that that is a great ethical question that probably will not be answered on the P60. <laughs> but, that attitude. We've got so enough drinks to, to wow. talk about it. Wow. Well, listen, so here's where it starts to go off track. So they have this meeting with the Navajo Nation, right? Mm -hmm. The Navajo Nation puts their concerns out there mm -hmm. and we do it anyway. Here's where it gets weird. Despite the objections, the Peregrine mission proceeded, albeit with a technical setback soon after launch. The spacecraft experienced a propulsion issue following its separation from the launch vehicle, a Vulcan Centaur rocket. This anomaly raised concerns about the mission's success and the fate of the payloads aboard. Now, the first lunar lander the U.S. has had in decades is purging fuel and is going to run out of it in less than 40 hours. And this was a story from yesterday. That means the Peregrine one mission will not reach its target. Given the propellant leak, there is unfortunately no chance of a soft landing on the moon. Astrobiotic, the company that built the spacecraft wrote in an update on X on Tuesday. Interesting. Yeah, yeah it we is. Talk about the magic of earth. We talk about the magic of the indigenous peoples and the first nations peoples. Uh, they come out with this statement, and I'm certainly not, understand, I'm not casting aspersions or that they are wicked and sending black voodoo at the, at the, but it's interesting that they have a problem with it, and it seems like the universe corrects. For yeah, that. Isn't it's that the universe. Yeah. yeah, I love that very much. Yeah, I thought that was just a cool, weird, bizarre, fun story to kind of go out on. Not fun, but I mean, as in the, something to sit there and make you think. Yeah. I think it's a really bad idea to send our junk up there. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. Especially for those of us that bought uh property on the moon. How's that doing? My I, have, I, have, I have, uh, I think it's eight square feet that I own. Oh, on the moon. oh wow. And right. I'm looking and I'm like, there goes the neighborhood. I've got right. You know, yeah. These racist ex presidents parked right next to my it's crazy. What? Who needs that? Are you crazy. You know, I'll move over, James Doohan. Come on in, Scotty. Let's have a drink. Yes. But it's just weird to me. No, I'm surprised they didn't send his teeth up there. They were Scotty? never his teeth. No, Scotty? No. no. George Washington's teeth. No, oh, yeah. they weren't no, wooden either. No, they weren't wooden. As many. I think no. that the top ones were a different material. The bottom ones were made of teeth. No. Yeah. Slaves. He laughs. It's Heck fun. Heck of a guy. Well, he's not laughing at it. He's just, it's one <laughs> yeah. of those, oh my God, you made it out of slave teeth. That's genius. 
Uh, yeah, well, that's what they did back then. It's so horrifying to think of the things that went on. Really? Um, since we're talking about space and death and life, let's do I thought that'd be my last one, but I have two quick stories. Oh, and boy. We're, we're not exactly at the P90 level yet that I, you know, I like to Yeah, be. yeah. Let's so go. let's talk about uh, Shane McGowan. Look at that guy. Uh, Shane McGowan from the Pogues, the frontman, died uh, at age 65 on November 30th after a series of devastating illnesses, including pneumonia while surrounded by loved ones, including his wife, Victoria Mary Clark, who revealed his belief he was speaking to otherworldly entities ahead of his passing. Shane McGowan is said to have been communicating with alien beings and dragons before his death. Victoria, 58, was quoted by the Daily Star Sunday staying, saying that she and Shane had a strong ethereal life together. She added that Shane was communicating with dragons and alien beings. We're kind of space cadets together fairy tale of New York singer Shane previously told how he was terrified of fairies. He believed they uh, lived near his old family home in County Tipperary, saying that the beings would turn you mad if you set foot in their dwelling. Victoria has been posting regular updates on her Instagram on how she's dealing with grief since Shane's passing. One of her most recent messages on how she believes her late husband's ghost told her to play her guitar for the first time since his death. She said, I haven't played my guitar since he passed away. But last night, while I was trying to watch TV, I kept getting nudges from him to open the drawer of the desk. I kept trying to ignore the nudges and I kept trying to watch TV, but something wouldn't let me. And I had to get up and open that drawer. Inside the drawer was a plectrum. So I picked it up and then I picked up the guitar and played a few chords. And it genuinely felt like there was an energy that was coming through, making up a tune. Who knows what we're capable of from the other side? I do know that it felt really good to play that guitar again. Oh, it's a feel-good story. Yay. Chachi wasn't here to deliver it. It's a rock and roll story. Yeah, he Somebody missed that. And now let's talk about another rock and roll musician, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Woo-woo! <laughs> Did he borrow that jacket from Willy Wonka? Why yep. did he start laughing? Why? Yeah. He's a rock star. Because... No, he is. He is a rock star. Pay attention. I said it right in the opening. Yes. Yeah. Award-winning composer Andrew Lloyd Webber, known for his musical hits like Phantom of the Opera, once claimed to have shared his Eaton Square home with a rather mild-mannered poltergeist. In contrast to the typical noisy and troublesome nature of poltergeists, Lord Lloyd Webber's spectral housemate exhibited gentler behavior, such as neatly organizing theater scripts in obscure rooms to resolve <laughs> the supernatural activity. You heard that. To resolve it, he called a priest in to bless the house leading to the poltergeist's departure. What? So you've got a poltergeist ghost who cleans up your stacks of messes. Don't get rid of them into obscure rooms no. so they're out of the way. Yeah. And he's like, he's got to go. I can't have this. He's a, he's a great artist, but he's obviously an idiot. Uh, well, I, uh, I'll go with the second part. Yeah. 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 While Lloyd Webber may not have encountered ghosts in his West End career, Reports suggest that London's theaters are commonly haunted. The Theater Royal, Drury Lane, is said to host the Man in Grey, who appears in the upper circle only if a show is successful. Other haunted theaters <laughs> include the Adelphi, haunted by actor-manager William Terrace, and the Garrick, reportedly visited by former manager Arthur Boucher. Dame Judi Dench and Sir Patrick Stewart also shared experiences of ghostly apparitions at the Theater Royal Haymarket during various productions. Although it's unclear whether Lloyd Webber's poltergeist extended its presence beyond Eaton Square, the story adds to the intriguing tales of supernatural occurrences in London's historic theaters. Historic. Yeah. 
And if you want, get Patrick Stewart's new autobiography, the audiobook version. Yeah. It's like you're sitting there talking to your great favorite oh. uncle, having a couple drinks. And throughout it, he just sprinkles ghost stories like they're nothing. <gasps> And he's oh, just I like, oh, yes. and then I grew up in a haunted house and I blah, blah, blah. And anyway, back to my career and blah, blah, blah. And then I saw a ghost at this home and it saw me oh. and blah, blah, blah. And then he's just, he just sprinkles them throughout the book. So oh, check it out. So much. Yeah. Amazing. That's it guys. Great conversations tonight. I'm very excited about the way this went. Thank you all for tuning in, spending some time with us. Colonel, I know you got a lot of things going on out there in Hawaii. We hope your back is healing up and you're feeling better soon, sir. I am. Yeah, I'm feeling much better. Thank you. Thank Good. you. To Chachi, you're in our hearts, buddy. He just took the night off. He's been really busy. So he'll be back with us probably next week. Uh, Paranormal Detective, anything exciting and uh, wondrous going on in your world that we should know about? I will see Marty next week. Uh, we'll be in uh, Florida Monday through, huh. Sunday through Monday or something like that. Oh, yeah. Marty. Marty just sent me his flight itinerary. He's going to be here in Minnesota with me next week. That'll be good. Oh, that'll work out pretty good, actually. But I'm not taking Hawaii with me, so you're yeah. welcome, Greg. <laughs> Sweet tea. You've got a brand new podcast right here That's on the Paranormal true. 60 Network, The oh Monster Lounge. And That's... yesterday was the first episode. Let me promote it. Stop interrupting so I oh, can sorry. give you the I'm just agreeing and having a conversation. Go ahead. The, the Paranormal 60 Network now has on Wednesday nights uh, and, nope. uh, well, Wednesdays, the, uh, let me just, let me, let me make this a little bit better on Wednesdays. Now you can actually check out the monsters lounge with, uh, Tressa Slater, you know, her as sweet tea and Jenny Monroe, as they take you into the world of the strange and unusual. And speaking of strange and unusual, this guy was their first guest talking about killer big feet in Alaska. Hey, welcome back. Sweet tea. Oh, hi. Yeah. So the monsters lounge. Go subscribe to it wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure to rate and review it just like this Please. program. And one last huge piece of news. Is everybody ready? I think Ladies so. Ladies and gentlemen, coming out at the end of January, my first <gasps> Look at that. Theater of the Mind. Oh, yeah. Theater of the Mind, Tales from the Darkness, Ghosts, UFOs, Aliens, Monsters, and Other Strange Man. Supernatural Stories. You can get that book. It'll be coming out at the end of the month. $20 for the book. 30 signed. If you're interested, you can email me, Dave at paranormal60.com. That's Dave at paranormal60.com. I'll put you on the list as soon as they're ready to go. I will let you know. You can pre-order the books, $30 for the signed copy, 20 books for the standard copy. It's great. About 150 pages of creepy, fun, weird, paranormal, supernatural tales. And it's just the first of what I hope to be a great serial version of these stories so that's it for me that's it for the paranormal 60 news uh until next monday when we're back here again with more paranormal fun and next wednesday with the news i'm dave schrader and this is the paranormal 60 
Oh 